our walk through the Beatitudes thus far has been a rather painful journey. I have enjoyed preaching, and I have enjoyed uh, studying these things, but this has been a painful journey for me uh, because it, it causes me to ask the question, am I really poor in spirit? Is that something that I recognize about myself? Do I recognize my own spiritual poverty? Uh, it causes me to ask the question, am I truly mourning over the sin that's in my life? And listen, whether you want to admit it or not, there's sin in your life, right? <laughs> and John says, if you say that you have no sin, that you're a liar. The truth's not in you. And so uh, if there's sin in our lives, are we mourning over the sin in our lives? Does it cause us to grieve when we sin against God? Uh, and it caused me to ask the question, of course, am I truly meek? Do I have a proper evaluation of myself? Or do I think too highly or do I think too low of myself? Where am I uh, as far as meekness is concerned? And then, of course, our last beatitude, am I truly hungering and thirsting for the righteousness of God? Am I willing to empty myself of all of my own self-righteousness in order that I might be filled with the righteousness of God. And of course, the question that we have today is, are we truly merciful people? And, and all of these are, are painful questions that we have uh, to ask ourselves. We've been prompted over and over and over to do a true examination of our hearts. You see, the Beatitudes answer for us the question, am I really a Christian? Am I really... A Christian, And that's a question that everyone that's sitting in here today needs to ask themselves. Am I really a Christian? I go to church. Am I really a Christian? I read my Bible. Am I really a Christian? I have been saved. Does that make me a Christian? Am I really a Christian? I've been baptized. Am I really a Christian? I give to the poor. Am I really? Those are questions we need to ask ourselves. This is a, in a, a time of examination where we look through our lives. We ask God to search our hearts. And we ask, it, we ask the question, am I truly a follower of God, a follower of Christ? That's what Christian means. Am I truly a follower of Christ as I should be? And what the Beatitudes do is they turn that question around. We ask the Beatitudes, am I really a Christian? And the Beatitudes say, okay, well, here, here's some questions to ask. Are you a Christian? Well, are you poor in spirit? Because if you're not, you're not a Christian. Do you mourn over your sin? I don't have any sin. <laughs> right? If you don't mourn over your sin, you're not a Christian. Are you meek? Jesus was. Are you meek? If not, guess what? You're not a Christian. Do you hunger for God's righteousness? And then, of course, the question we're presented with again today is, are you merciful? Do you show mercy? Because if you're not, you're not a Christian. Christian means a follower of of Christ. A Christian is not just what we do. A Christian is what we are. It's what we have become. It's what, what God is doing in us, in our lives. First of all, through the cross and through salvation, but then through the daily processes of life as He grows us and as we allow ourselves to grow into the Christian we need to be. These are things that are automatically going to start showing up in our lives. 
And so the answer to the question, are you a Christian, is really found in the answers to these questions. Are you these things? Do you find these things in your own life? Now the test is not only in how we answer, but the test is also in our very response to the questions. Because if you've been going through this series of sermons, if, if you've been going through the Beatitudes, and you're wondering, why are you boring me with this stuff? Why do I care? Why is this important? Why, do I, you know, why does it matter if I'm poor in spirit? Why does it matter if I, if I am truly mourning? If that's your attitude, uh, there's a red flag right there. Something's not right. Because if our hearts are truly in tune with God, these are going to be questions that we are very concerned with. Am I one who is truly poor in spirit? Am I one that mourns when I sin? Am I one that is uh, meek and lowly of heart? Do I hunger for God's righteousness? Do I show mercy to others? Those are important to us. And I think they also answer the questions, are we a Christian? Are we Christians? And so I want to turn that question to you today. This is what I, I want to be in your mind as we go through the message. I want you to pay attention, but I want this question to be going and flowing through your mind this morning as we look at verse number 7. Are you a Christian? Well, the question today is, are you merciful? And that's what Jesus says in verse 7. He says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We're going to look at three things about mercy today. Uh, and... I want you to pay close attention to what we say. Uh, there's definitely some things that, some information we need to take down. So if you want to jot some notes down as we go, I'd encourage you to do that. But there's some things that we really need to be asking uh, this question Am I a merciful person? Well, first thing we're going to look at is mercy explained. What is mercy? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to look at that. Mercy is one of the fundamental characteristics of a Christian life. I mean, it's one of the basic things. If you're a Christian, it ought to be one of the first things that people notice about you is that you are a merciful person. It is a fundamental characteristic of a Christian. Yet, unfortunately, it seems to be so foreign to those who claim Christianity. When you go out into the world today, and if you were to look at Christianity through the eyes of those who are not Christians, if you were able to just kind of step out and look at us, look at yourself through their eyes, and look at, at Christians, most who claim to be Christian in their eyes, I guarantee you the word merciful is not going to be how they describe most Christians today. And that's sad, is it not? It seems such a foreign concept, such a foreign quality to those who do claim Christianity. Now, mercy in its simplest definition is compassion or pity on others. That's the simplest, the most basic definition of what mercy is, is compassion or pity on another person. As we look around this world, the things that we see and hear should constantly be moving to us to compassion. But unfortunately for so many Christians, instead of compassion, it's moving them to self-righteousness. As we see those that are hurting, we say, man, they probably deserve that. As we see those that are poor, we, we might look at them and say, well, if they get a better job, they may not be in that position. We see someone who's hurting or hungry, and, and instead of feeding them, we, we question why they've gotten into that position in the first place. Listen, that's not mercy. That's not Christian. Jesus never walked up to a, to a crippled person and said, man, you really must have made God mad. 
What did Jesus do? He he pick them up, help them walk. If they were blind, he'd help them see. If they were hard of hearing, he'd help them hear. He was merciful. Christ is often recorded in the Scripture as being moved with compassion. And we see that as we look at Him. There will be times when He's on the mountain. He'll look out on the, on the crowds that are out there, on the multitudes, and it says that He was moved with compassion. His, his heart was filled with compassion for those people. Therefore, mercy for the Christian, for those of us who follow Christ, should be a natural reaction to the needs of others. But I want you to understand this morning that mercy is more than a mere emotion. It is the the compassion that we feel in our hearts that moves us to action. So mercy is not just feeling sorry for someone. Mercy is feeling sorry for someone and doing something about it. If you feel bad for someone who's hungry and you have all the compassion in your heart and you say, oh, I just really feel sorry for that person. And you go tell them, oh, I am so sorry that you are hungry. Let me pat you on the back and, man, I'll, I'll say a prayer for you, you know. That's not compassion. That's not mercy. Mercy is what we feel that, that moves out into an action. It, it's expressed in some kind of action. Mercy is not just something you feel. It's something you do. When the two blind men begged Jesus to have mercy on them, if you remember that, there were two blind men that cried out to Jesus. They said, have mercy on us. Jesus did not respond by telling them how sad He was that they were blind. He gave them sight. Therefore, the word merciful is an attitude that is accompanied by action. Mercy is an attitude that's accompanied by action. The word merciful, you you recognize the last three letters there? Full, it means full of mercy. And so it means that we become so full of the compassion that is within us that it must overflow into acts of mercy towards others. David Martin Lloyd-Jones, which was a a pastor and and preacher in the early 1900s, gave a great explanation on the distinction between grace and mercy. We've talked about mercy, but there's another thing that goes right alongside of of mercy, and that is grace. And we think about that amazing grace uh, of God. And so he shows us what the distinction is between the two because they really are close to one another. He says there's thus an interesting distinction implied between grace and mercy. The best definition of the two that I have ever encountered is this. Grace is especially associated with men and their sins. Mercy is especially associated with men and their misery. In other words, while grace looks down upon sin as a whole, mercy looks especially upon the miserable consequences of sin. So that mercy really means a sense of pity plus a desire to relieve the suffering. That is the essential meaning of being merciful. It is pity plus the action. And so just to summarize what he says here, he says the difference between grace and mercy is this. 
we've heard the, the two different definitions, excuse me, that grace is the unmerited favor of God. Uh, grace is when we get what we don't deserve. It looks upon sin as a whole. And because we sin, we don't deserve God's love. We don't deserve God's blessings. We don't deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve salvation. But grace says, I know you don't deserve it. I'm going to give it to you anyway. Mercy, on the other hand, is not getting what we do deserve. And these are common definitions. But what, do, what does our sin deserve? What are the consequences that our sin brings about? Our sin deserves punishment. Our sin deserves death. And the Bible tells us that our sin deserves hell. But God's mercy is, even though you've sinned, I know what the consequences are, but I'm going to have mercy. I'm going to relieve the consequences of your sin. And so it is pity. He had pity upon those who were sinful, and of course it moved him to action. And we'll talk about that a little bit more here in a second. But, but in our lives as well, as we look at those who have been afflicted by either sin or sickness or whatever it may be in their lives, and we see the consequences of those sins being demonstrated either by their, their livelihood or by their state of mind or by the way they treat others or, or whatever's going on, as we see those consequences being manifested, mercy is when we look at what's happened and it, you know, the pity that's in us moves us to action. It moves us to help those who are hurting. Now, whether or not a person is merciful is truly tested in the face of wrongdoing. And I want you to listen to, to this just for a moment. I believe that those who come into our lives who are in need of mercy, I, I think they fall into three categories, okay? And if you want to write this down, I think it would be beneficial to you. Those who come into our lives who are in need of mercy, you may be looking around and say, okay, I, want, I, I need to be merciful. Who am I supposed to be merciful to? I think there's three, three different people. First of all, and remember we said mercy is, uh, is especially tested against wrongdoing that has happened. And so the first kind of person that's going to come into our lives on which we must be merciful are on those who have wronged themselves. Those who have wronged themselves. Now as we drive through Orlando and just about any given place, we're going to see some people who have wronged themselves. And their choices in life have brought them to a place of despair. They have brought them to a place of need. And they are usually going to express that need in some form of a sign, right? And they're going to let you know this is, this is what this is what has happened. I'm homeless. I'm helpless. I'm hungry. Please help. Please give. And sometimes we have generated an attitude towards people in that condition that is not merciful. But there are people that we're going to come across, and, uh, and they, are, they have wronged themselves, whether it be through drugs or just sin or just bad, whatever has happened in their lives. They have wronged themselves, and they have ended up in the situation they are because of the wrong that they've done to their own selves. And I think the Bible teaches us that when we see someone who is in that state of position, that we are to be merciful to that person. And so that's the first, that's the first kind of person that's going to come into our lives on which we must be merciful. Now the second one is this. Not only those who have wronged themselves, but we're also to be, to be merciful... To, uh, to those, excuse me, who have been wronged by others. Not only those who have wronged themselves, 
but those who have been wronged by others. Now, some in the same position are going to be in that position not because necessarily of anything they've done, which we'll, we'll usually try to judge that as being so right off the bat, but sometimes people are in certain positions because they've been wronged by others. They've been wronged by the, the company they work for. They've been wronged by someone in their family. And maybe, not just homelessness, but I, I'm talking about any type of, uh, you know, of, of uh, a state of being where someone is in despair or in need. Sometimes it's because they've been wronged by others. And what we want to do sometimes is we want to say, you know, I really, I feel sorry that you're in that position, but this, how is that my fault? What does this have to do with me? I didn't wrong you. I didn't do anything to you. But you see, that's not the Christian attitude. The Christian attitude is mercy. And then there's a third category, which is hardest of all. We're to be merciful to those who have wronged themselves. We're to be merciful to those who have been wronged by others. But last of all, people are going to come into our lives that we're to be merciful on. And those are the ones who have wronged us. That's the hardest, isn't it? When someone has, has hurt us, when their actions or their words or their choices have hurt us, it's very difficult for us to be merciful to them. But I think that's the truest test of whether or not you're a merciful person, whether or not you have mercy, is on how you respond to those who have wronged you. Now, I want you to understand that each of these are the result of sin. When a person has wronged themselves and they've fallen into the consequences of that, all of that is a result of sin. When someone has been wronged by others, whatever happened to them is all the result of sin. And when someone wrongs us, when we've been wronged by a person, it's all the result of sin. And so the point to all this is, is that mercy then is being able to look past the sin and to have compassion on the sinner. To have compassion on the person. To look, to look past the sin that's caused their condition or caused whatever's going on in their lives, to be able to look past that, past that surface, and to see the person and have compassion on the person who's there. That's so hard to do. Mercy is setting aside even the rights for justice and showing pity on those who have wronged us. And I'll give you one little, more little definition of mercy. Mercy is the opposite, then, of retaliation. Now, I want to create a scene for you to help illustrate, uh, of course, what I'm saying here. We've all been here. We've all, this has all been done to us before. But I want you to imagine yourself standing in front of a person who number one, has their finger pointed right in your face, okay? Their face is red. They're spit flying out of their mouths. Their eyes are almost shut. Their nostrils are flared. And I mean, at the top of their lungs, they're telling everything you've ever done <laughs> to them or to anybody or what you are. They're describing you in all kinds of different adjectives and <laughs> things like that. I mean, they're just, uh, they're really telling you off. All right, I want you to pause that for a second. I want you to just freeze that face there, in your, that image in your mind, just for a second. And I want you to back up. Now, when that's happening, when that's in your face, and, and those names are being slung at you, and that spit's flying in your face, and those nostrils are flared at you, and all that redness and ugly is right there in your face, it's very hard to be merciful, isn't it? 
That's very hard. But I just want us to freeze that frame there for a second. I want us to step back. We see, we see all the evidence of the sin that's there. We see, we see everything that's happening. But I want you to look past all that's being thrown out at the surface. And I want you to look past it. I want you to see the person there. Something's happened to them. Something, something triggered this type of response in their life. There's something that's gone on that's caused them to act in this way. There's a person behind the anger, behind this horrible response that we're having to come face to face to. There's there's a person behind there that we need to be merciful to. And so mercy is really being able to look past that surface, past the the result of sin that's coming out at us, being able to, to escape past that and see the person that's behind them and have compassion. There was a person not too long ago that uh, was doing that to me. <laughs> and, I mean, boy, they were just really upset. And, and I'm thinking, what in the world have I done to you? You know, that thing. And, uh, and at first, I mean, my first reaction was like, I know you're not talking to me like that, right? <laughs> we, we could step outside and there's some things that could happen. No, no, but... Then I, I thought, you know, this person doesn't usually talk to me like this. This is not normal behavior. And so I confronted them. I said, I said, listen, put my hand on the shoulder. I said, what's going on? You don't talk to me like you. You don't usually talk to me. This is not normal for you. Is something wrong? Is something going on in your life? And they crumbled. <laughs> and they told me what was going on. And everything was fine. Now that situation could have gone two totally separate ways. Okay? That could have really exploded into, uh, uh, you know, some real trouble. But if I had reacted to what they were doing, that could have really turned a different direction. And I'm not trying to, I'm just saying, this was one of the times where I have exhibited mercy and, uh, and I looked past what was, what was coming at me and I saw the person that was there and I tried to deal with the person, have mercy on the person, and boy, that came out a, a lot better. And I think they felt better about the issue that's going on in their lives, you know, once we were able to talk that out. And regardless of what they did, you know, what we're, what we're getting to is that mercy is just being able to see past the sin and to see the person, to see the sinner. Now, for the sake of application, let's look at a few acts of mercy just very quickly before we move on to the next part. This is what mercy does, okay? We, we've, looked at, we've seen what mercy looks like. This is what mercy does. This is how we act in mercy. First of all, we're going to look at some things we don't do. If we're merciful, this is, these are some things we don't do. Mercy abstains. That means you don't do this. It abstains from gossiping about the person that uh, is acting a certain way towards us or the person involved. Uh, mercy abstains from looking down upon others. It abstains from relishing in the pain of others. And we've all come to that point where we've seen someone in pain. We've seen them hurt. And we think, man, you deserve that. You're getting everything you deserve. That's not merciful. Merciful refuses to relish in the pain of others. And mercy abstains from acting in aggression towards others as well. Mercy instead refuses to speak evil of others. Mercy reaches a hand down to those who have fallen. 
Mercy comes to the rescue of those who are troubled. And mercy forgives those who have wronged us. You know, forgiveness is an act of mercy. Again, we said that mercy is looking past the sin. Mercy is seeing, uh, setting aside all the rights to judge. And when a person has wronged us, we, we, we see the sin that's in their life and, and that infuriates us. When a person has wronged us, uh, you know, we, we feel a sense of, uh, of righteous judgment that if we treat them a certain way or if we say a certain thing back to them or do a certain thing to them that, or, or hold a grudge against them, that they are somehow deserving and we are righteous in the act of doing that. But I want you to understand, first of all, the Bible tells us a whole bunch of times that we're not to hold grudges, we're to forgive. And so forgiveness, again, is an act of mercy where it looks past the sin, it sees the person, and where it sets aside our self-perceived rights of judgment, which, number one, we don't have the right to cast judgment, do we? It's not our job to execute judgment on those who have, who have wronged us. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, right? And so mercy and forgiveness sets aside whatever rights of judgment we think we have, and it lets them go. That's mercy. That's what mercy does. Now let's look at the second thing just very quickly here. Mercy experienced. Now there are many examples and definitions of mercy that we could give. And I've thrown a whole bunch of you at you this morning. And there are people that we could uh, use as examples to show mercy or, or times that people have been merciful to us. And we have all those types of things that we could throw out there. But the greatest example that we have of mercy is the cross. That's the greatest example that we have. Before we talk any further about mercy on wrongdoers, let's take a close look in the mirror in the mirror for a second. The Bible says that the law was given for this reason, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. That's Romans chapter three, verse nineteen. A few verses down in verse 23 it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, thus far in our talk on merciful, we have been holding the place of the righteous, right? And we've been pointing fingers at others who are the wrongdoers and saying, I must be merciful to them and I must act in this way towards this person and have this, uh, this attitude towards another person. What we're looking at now is mercy experience because there's not one of us who has not wronged God and there's not one of us who has never wronged another person. We all have stood as the guilty in front of God and in front of others. We've all been guilty. Now for a second, I want you to think of all the wrong that you've ever done in your life. That's impossible, isn't it? <laughs> We'd be thinking for a while, wouldn't we? Why? Because there's been a lot of wrong that we've done in our lives. We've all been wrong. But I want you to understand that when you were wrong, you were wrong for a reason. Why, why are the things that we do that are wrong, why are they wrong? They're wrong because they're against God. They're against God. You may say, well, I did this to that person. I didn't do it to God. No. The Bible tells us over and over and over and over again that when we act a certain way towards a person 
we act that way towards God. And that offending them is offending God. And so the things that we do that are wrong, they're wrong because they are against God. They are against His laws and His rules. Every one of us stands guilty before God. Our sin has offended God to the highest degree. And the most terrifying part of all is that God is not some peer that we have angered. He's not some equal that we stand uh, adjacent to. He is the righteous judge which is truly holy, which is truly righteous, and which truly has the ability to extend mercy to those who have wronged Him. I want you to understand that there are severe consequences for sinning against God. The Bible tells us that the penalty of sin is death. And because God is eternal, guess what? His wrath is eternal. And He has prepared a place of eternal judgment on those who have sinned against Him. It's called hell. Hell is a real place. It is a real destination. It is just as real as heaven is. Now, what I want you to see this morning is that we are completely deserving. God could cast every one of us in hell. He could throw away the key and be completely righteous in doing so. God could have decided long ago that He would never show mercy upon us. God could have decided that He would never provide a way, that He would just send us all to hell, and there could not one accusation be made against God for doing that. He would be completely right in doing so. Because we are guilty, and that's hard for us to admit, but it's the truth. But I want you to understand that in the rage and in the fierceness of His wrath, that God looked past our sin and saw us. He had compassion. He knew the consequences. He knew what we deserved. But God was merciful. Now, what did he do? Did he just have compassion? Did he just feel compassion in his heart? No, he took action. God himself became a man and took the penalty of our sin in our behalf on the cross. All the wrong that we did to God was put on Jesus' account. You see, God did not write off the consequences of our sin. God did not say, I'm just going to excuse the consequences and and, and write them all completely. No, He took the penalty on our behalf. He took the penalty of our sin for us. Our sins were not excused. Our sins were expiated. That means that they were atoned for. I want you to understand that your sin has to be paid for. The wrong that you've done in your life has to be paid for. And you're either going to be the one to pay for it through God's wrath, or you're going to take God's way of escape and let Him pay for it. But your sin has to be paid for. There is no excusing of sin's consequences. But I want you to understand that God's love was so great towards us that out of His love flowed grace and mercy. And that instead of requiring those consequences from us, He laid all of them upon His Son at the cross. That's mercy. 
in its purest form. That's what it means to be merciful. And I want you to understand that a man will never truly be merciful until he has experienced mercy himself. I made the statement at the beginning of this message that mercy is one of the fundamental characteristics of a Christian, yet it seems so foreign to many who claim Christianity. But here's what I want to qualify with that. A person who cannot show mercy, a person who has no desire to show mercy on others, must ask themselves if they have ever truly experienced mercy. A person who cannot let go of something someone's done to them must ask themselves, have they ever really been forgiven by God? You see, if I have experienced mercy, if God has been merciful to me, that I must in return show mercy to others. That leads us to the last and final thing. I, I want your attention just for a few minutes, okay? Just for a few more minutes. We're going to look at mercy extended. Mercy extended. In his sermon on this subject, William Mounts, who is a pastor uh, up in the north, William Mounts recalled the parable of the publican and the Pharisee, where the publican, who was not necessarily religious, fell before God and begged for mercy. But the Pharisee stood in the confidence of his devotion to God, and instead of begging for mercy, he boasted of all the good that he had done for God. And so next, this pastor asked the wonderful and terrifying question to those who are listening. He asked this question. He says, Do you and I truly believe that every morning God has to open up a fresh new bag of mercies for us? and treat us not how we deserve, but according to His mercy? Or do we deserve the things that we get? Do we deserve God's blessings on us? It's very easy for us who have been saved for over 20 years who go to church every week, who read our Bibles daily, who pray on a regular basis, who give tithes and offerings faithfully, who offer our time and service to God willingly. It's easy for us to convince ourselves that we have reached a point in our Christianity where we no longer need God's mercy. It's easy for us to stand before God and to say, look at all that I have done. Look at all the things that I have accomplished. Look at all that I have done for you and expect in return some type of gratitude for God, from God for all the stuff that we've done for Him, for how faithful we've been to God. To believe that God's blessings on us are the fair wages that we deserve and that somehow God owes us for all the stuff that we do for Him. I want you to know that's a very dangerous place to be in your Christianity. That's a very dangerous place to be in your walk with God. Now here's the danger. You see, the moment that I begin to believe that I no longer need God's mercy, that's when I stop extending mercy to others. When I get to the point that I feel I no longer need His mercy, 
I stop giving mercy to others. And the moment that I stop giving mercy to others, I stop receiving mercy. Don't believe me? Read verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now we have to be very careful with our interpretation of this verse because we can almost slip into this thing where somehow we earn God's mercy through our being merciful. And I want you to understand that we can't earn mercy from God. If we can earn it, it's not mercy, right? (laughs) We can't earn mercy from God. But again, the emphasis is not on the action. The emphasis is on the attitude. Okay? Not on the action. It's on the heart. If in our hearts we are unwilling to let go of wrong that's been done to us, if in our hearts we're unwilling to be merciful, then we're not going to receive mercy from God. Are we going to fail in doing that sometimes? Absolutely. Yes. But the point is our heart. Where's our heart? Now, lastly, I want to answer this question. How do I become merciful then? I understand that that being merciful is something that I must do. Maybe I understand that it's something that I haven't been, and it's something I want to be. So how then do I become merciful? Well, it all starts over here. First, you've got to be poor in spirit. You've got to realize your true poverty in spirit before God, that you are bankrupt before Him. There's nothing good in you, and that aside from Christ, apart from Christ, that you are not righteous. Understanding what you are, you begin mourning over the sin that comes through your life, the sin that you commit against God. You mourn for that. You beg, of course, for His forgiveness. And when we are poor in spirit and when we're mourning over our sins, then we become meek. We get a true uh, understanding of what we are and who we are before God. And it creates in us an attitude of meekness in our hearts. And from meekness, when we've been emptied of all of our self-righteousness and we realize that we are complete poverty, that we have nothing, we begin hungering and thirsting for the righteousness of God instead. And so in return, when we are emptied of ours and we're asking for His, God begins to fill us with His righteousness. And when we are filled with His righteousness, then we're able to look at others and begin to show things like mercy towards them. But it all starts with poor in spirit. It's a process. It all builds upon the other. When we are emptied of self-righteousness and when we're filled with God's righteousness, we're going to naturally begin to view people differently because we no longer see them with our eyes. We begin to see others through His eyes. On our part, meekness and mercy then are very closely connected. I'm just asking for your attention a little bit longer, but I want you to listen to this statement. Meekness allows me to see myself for who I really am. Mercy allows me to see others for who they could be. I want to say that again. I want you to think about what this means. Meekness allows me to see myself for who I really am. 
Mercy allows me to see others for who they could be. Mercy points to the lawless. It points to the helpless and the loveless and says, if it were not for the grace of God, that person would be me. I would be the lawless. I would be the beggar. I would be the helpless. I would be the wicked. But because of God's grace, because of the mercy He's shown me, He's set me apart. He's shown me my poverty. He's shown me where I'm weak. He's filled me with His. And any goodness that is demonstrated from me is not me. It's Christ in me.